0: We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay.
1: Today's guest is Leah shuck Leah is Europe's number one female competitive eater, multiple official Guinness World Record title holder, proud nonconformist, and all-round good woman. In this deep dive interview, we discuss her story, her struggles with her body image, her relationship with food, how she learned to be herself, which brought about her amazing confidence, her rugby playing days, yes, you heard that right, and how a sibling rivalry helped her to start her very successful YouTube channel. Leah is phenomenal and she deserves her amazing success. However, it's not just her channel that is awe-inspiring, it's also how Leah is so open and honest about her struggles with her confidence and bullying when she was younger, and the impact it had on her. She's very vulnerable and open throughout, and shows how successful people are just people in the end, with their own worries and insecurities about themselves, just like as normal people. It's Leah's frank discussion, and how she learnt to accept herself as she was, to realise the things she disliked actually made her unique, attractive, and someone that people love to watch and it helped create a juggernaut of a youtube channel and career that is the brilliant takeaway message for listeners she did it so why can't you this is a great interview to listen to for people who are struggling with their confidence and self-esteem for those who have a goal or a dream and don't believe in themselves to try as much as for those who love Leah's channel and our brilliant food related challenges there's something here for everyone and now let's get to the interview Well thank you so much for doing this Leah, really appreciate you coming on. Now you've got an extraordinary brand on YouTube, people are loving your content, but for people who maybe don't know who you are, could you just give a quick overview and the interesting job that you have? What
2: an introduction, thank you so much for having me on first of all and for your listeners my name is Leah Schutkiver and I'm the current Europe's number one female competitive eater. And it was never a linear journey to get where I am today, but it is very bizarre. And I'm really glad that people enjoy it.
1: Now, I believe if from doing some research, it's a Russian last name and your mom was from Latin America. How did that kind of um, affect your diet when you were younger? You know, like, was it, were you inter- more interested in a sort of more exotic kind of diet compared to the British, you know, sausage and mashed potatoes or stuff like that? <laughs>
2: Oh, gosh. Well, my mix is very diverse. My mum is from Guatemala. uh, So she is Latin American, Swiss Italian and Egyptian. And my dad is English, Irish and Russian. My mum was also a chef. So I grew up with some great food in the house. I also grew up cooking from a very young age. So I had a very good understanding of food. But the thing that people don't ever really know is that I was a really really fussy eater and I used to really frustrate my mum she was a type of Latin American mum a real feeder she would make the food and she would force us to finish our food and I know most mums probably do that but my mum was like a big portion type of mum so it was like you just had to eat what you were given. But I liked beige food for some reason for so many years. And then I was just super fussy. And yeah, so I think my my tastes have definitely developed over the years. But when I was a kid, I was definitely fussy. My kind of love for, for big eats. um I would say that I've always been a big eater. I could my family, it's like you put the food on the table and you eat fast or you don't eat. It's that kind of thing. So my dad's a big eater, he's an absolute gannet. My <laughs> brother is a big eater and we're very close in age. He's um he was like a rugby lad, like a big big guy, super greedy like and so my brother would like heckle me a lot about about food and about eating and always look over my shoulder to see like what I had left on my plate to see whether he could finish it and we have a lot of this sort of competitive banter between us so I think that it's sort of ingrained in me from a really young age that food was like a big staple part of our family culture in terms of the types of food I was I grew up with a lot of Italian influenced foods like a lot of lasagna and bolognese and pasta dishes and that type of thing, but that was the things that I kind of disliked the most, which is really weird to say, because now I'm, I'm so diverse with my food loves, and uh, yeah, I started from a very humble beginning of just pasta and bread and butter.
1: It seems like kind of a weird mix, you know, that you kind of went the Italian route when you had that kind of the heritage and stuff, and it must have been really good when you were younger, having the like the the parents who were teaching and into food and eating to kind of encourage you in that. Were they kind of quite liberal with their attitudes towards food? Were they like kind of try new things or? Because I come from one of those, you know, the pot goes in the middle, you all help yourself, you know, and <laughs> you don't it. be shy, you just get into <laughs> it. But that's it.
2: My the attitude in my house is if we're sad, we eat. If we're happy, we eat. And my parents' attitudes to life events, they were like, never let your stomach know that you've had a bad day. So it's all it was always like a form of medicine. And I feel like this more and more, that the food culture is such an intimate thing. You meet people, you eat together, and you have that connection over food. And that's what I love about food and what it can do. It can actually improve your relationship with the person because you have created a bond there and it's it's so bizarre to think about now but these are all little things that sort of fell into place growing up but my dad was a farmer's boy he grew up on farms growing like he worked on farms they had my ancestors and family had a line of butchers so meat and eating meat and production of meat and milk etc was always in our family so they were like a meat and potatoes family for absolute sure so sunday roasts were like the best you'd ever know christmas dinners were like the best you'd ever know and we just grew up with the privilege of having such an emphasis on food that we never went without And I'm really fortunate for that. Like, I'm just so grateful that that was the way that we grew up. We had a really, like, really valuable upbringing there. Um, My mum had a very Italian influence when she cooked because her grandmother was Swiss Italian. And so growing up in Guatemala, you have a lot of Guatemalan foods and things like that, which is, by the way, delicious. It's absolutely unbelievable. But she used to cook a lot of Italian food and of the time it was very, very chic to have like an Italian meal in Guatemala back in the 1950s and 60s. So my mum sort of brought that influence to the UK when she married my dad and she used to cook these big trays. And yeah, so when she was a chef, she was, uh, did a lot of catering as well. So she learned how to make a lot out of not a lot of food. So even when, My parents didn't have a lot of money. They were going through some struggles back when I was quite a lot younger. My mum could make something out of nothing. So it was like irrespective of how much money we had and how much money they had and how comfortable they were. We never went without food. It was always like a really important thing to our family unit.
1: And it's that sort of communal thing, isn't it? It's like that kind of connection with one another. It's the you all have like shared meals that you love, and it's like the spaghetti bolognese or it's the sausage <laughs> casserole. I mean, I grew up when um, well, we still do have sheep with like it's just our lambing season just now. So you learn where your food comes from. You have that better yeah. connection with it. Did you yeah. find that helped you knowing where your meat came from, where your produce came from? You I know, really did-
0: don't
2: think oh carry on sorry
1: oh sorry I was just gonna say like did it really help you kind of with your your sort of attitude towards food when you were younger
2: I don't think that I ever truly appreciated it when I was young I feel like I was so fussy and I didn't like I wasn't a big fan of red meat up until I was about 18 years old and I almost saw it as like it's the devil don't like red meat And it was really weird. I would just stick to sort of really bland, very beige foods for such a long time. And then it's actually funny because whereas food was such a huge influence in my house, I began this understanding that I was overweight and I got to a point in my, I would say like my early teens, that I mean really early, like 13 that I was overweight, I was being bullied for being overweight, and I knew that this was something to do with food, and so in order for me to control my weight, I had to diet, and that's how it kind of flipped things for me, because suddenly the emphasis wasn't on food, but more about not eating it, and kind of eating the foods that were quote-unquote good for you, but thinking back to the time, and it just blows my mind now, because we're looking at 2003 so between 2001 and 2006 I yo-yo dieted like crazy the mentality back then though was size zero was in and that to lose weight you had to eat less and exercise loads so you had to do loads of cardio you you ate like a keto diet so you didn't have carbs in your diet and fats were like a big no-no do you remember these times like the Atkins diet sort of time Oh, God, yes. My oh, it was just all the rage of the time. And looking back, and if you were to talk to 15 year old girls now about that, they'd be like, what? Seriously, you do like a cabbage soup diet and you do like a fruit diet. And you do, oh, gosh, like a, a, I think women did like steak and egg diets and things like that. It was insane to think that just having a healthy balance of foods was the key. So my attitude towards food kind of shifted a lot. I started not really appreciating it. I didn't really appreciate where it came from or organic foods or anything like that. Into I can only eat what this diet permits me to eat. And then into being sort of forced to learn about nutrition, properly learn about nutrition. So, yeah, it's been it's been a journey. That's for sure.
1: I mean. How did this sort of play into, I mean, when you were playing rugby, I mean, you've talked in other interviews about being a tomboy when you're younger, you know, I mean, and obviously when you're playing sports, you need a lot of calories, you need to yell, to of bulk up, you need to be stronger, get the muscles on and stuff like that. Did you find it strange back then, you know, because you also competed in, like, um, bikini physique modeling and stuff like that. Yeah. Is is that the kind of focus that we have on that men should be eating raw meat and all this kind of crap, where women should be seen as sexy and petite? And so they put this pressure on girls at that young age that girls shouldn't eat. They should be super slim, where guys can eat whatever they want kind of thing. Did you feel that kind of pressure?
2: Yeah, I think views towards that have definitely shifted massively in the last 10 years. But before that, gosh, I'm really showing my age. I've just turned 30 and I'm talking (laughs) about the last 10 and 20 years of my life. It's insane. But when I was young at school, it was fashionable to be super skinny, but I wasn't a super skinny girl. I'm not a super skinny girl now. I'm fortunate to have like a shape and I've trained for many years and that dedication is sort of allowed me to sort of find where I feel most comfortable. But back then I was just a big, like I was a stocky girl, you know? So I was built for rugby. I was so into it. I used to go and watch my brother play every single Sunday. And then when he started playing for the Colts team and they were killing it, I was like, yes, I need some of this. And so rugby to me was a big part of like my way to sort of bond with my brother and my dad. Because I felt like my dad was more interested in my brother because he was more... Into sports and things like that, and that I didn't really have anything to offer him. So I thought, in a way to sort of bond with my dad and sort of have something, an interest together, and not just be his girl, um, that I would just start playing rugby. And I really got into it. I loved it. I they called me the chiropractor. I was really, 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 really strong. And I could just, I just had so much power. But in terms of diet around that, I was still trying to lose weight. Like my goal and my focus was to be a thin girl, but my love for sports kind of was always there in the background. And I played every sport at school. PE was like my favorite subject, pretty much, even though I was a pretty good, I was a good student. And looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was one of those give an apple to the teacher type of student, the one that everybody was like rolling their eyes out with my hand up in the air. But I I really had to involve myself in school because I had such a terrible school experience. So rugby, again, was a really good outlet for like a lot of that frustration for not feeling like... I was normal. So all my friends were like super skinny girls naturally, and they could eat what they wanted. But if I ate what they ate, I was gaining weight. And I just didn't understand why and it felt really unfair. And I just couldn't work out like what was happening or what I was doing different. And at the time, I probably fell into this eating unconsciously so I wasn't being present while I was eating, so I didn't feel like I was eating any different to anybody else, but now looking back, maybe I was, um, and maybe I was just overeating because I could, I had this sort of bottomless pit of a stomach, and I could just eat and eat and eat and not ever feel full, I just never hit satiety, so I think that many things like put together kind of contributed to my appetite and the way that I ate and not eating consciously because you're young and you're stupid and you you're just not conscious when you're 15 years old so moving through rugby I actually broke my ankle in my second season right before county trials which I was selected for really annoying um my whole life pretty much turned upside down I had to drop out of college uh but I remember at the time I was always on diets, but then I would do a ton of exercise and I would, I remember this, and this is shocking. And I will share this with you. I remember going to like Sainsbury's and just buying a load of like crumpets and croissants. And I couldn't understand what was happening at the time, but those cravings were because I was just eating fruit all day or like eating vegetables all day. And I just done a ton of exercise. So my, like my body was just craving out for carbs for energy, but I didn't know that was what my body was saying because I just didn't have the education back then. And so I used to just refill myself full of like carbs, just bread, croissants, like anything pastry based. Like I was all over it as soon as it was all over. So I now know why it was, why I was the way I thought I was back then. But obviously, when you're a child, you just you don't really understand, and that education is so valuable.
1: And it makes it worse, doesn't it, when you kind of get to the point of you then get negative feelings, so you eat to feel better, but then it makes it worse. I mean, I was always that chubby kid who ate too much, but like you're saying, I didn't understand either. I just kind of ate what I thought other people did, or I didn't understand that I could stop. So we say, you know, and mean my diet was atrocious, but. But no, not- think about
2: us versus our parents we have the education and the knowledge to bring our kids up knowing with facts with actual signs to back it up what is the most like nutritious and healthy and balanced way to lose weight slash gain weight and if you want muscle versus if you want fat like however you want to shape your body we pretty much have all the information out there now so we're able to educate our children whereas my mum I grew up with her on yo-yo diets one minute she'd do a cabbage soup diet next minute she'd do like an onion soup diet next minute she'd do like a yogurt diet she she was insane she would just do like In one day, she would eat yogurt and an apple, and that was her. And it was like, that to me is insanity now. But back then, it felt so normal. So I actually learned that diet culture from them. So it does feel unfair to us growing up in the period that we were, because if you weren't naturally skinny or an ideal shape or size or height, you were pretty much up against it. Like everything was stacked up against you up until the point you learned how to make the most of what you got.
1: And how did you deal with, I mean, I was bullied when I was younger, but that was because I had a squashed nose and big lips and stuff like that, you know, which I've now grown into, shall we say. But (laughs) you get this point, don't you, where kind of people that use food as an emotional sort of filler, you know, they they don't know, so... or how to deal with certain emotions back then or it's the stresses and stuff like that so we always eat terribly back then but how did you learn to deal with the negativity of like being bullied and stuff like that did you find it was just when you went for your first eating competition that it kind of just spiraled from there or did you kind of learn to deal with it in any particular way because I was always interested you talked about being bullied but we in other interviews but you never kind of said how you became such a confident and outgoing and life-loving person that you are now yeah. has this transformed from your eating challenges and just giving it all your all and finding the gym or did you do work back then that kind of helped you become the person that you wanted to be later in life
2: okay so this is quite interesting because I don't really see myself how other people see me I'm a confident person in who I am because I'm pretty confident that I have something to offer people, whether it be a conversation or like I can bake and I can cook. And I'm like, I love to like have friends and like have company and be social. So I feel like I have value to other people. That's where my confidence comes from. I'm also very supported by my family. So I think a lot of my confidence comes from the fact that I have just such a great inner circle that it kind of has brought me out of myself a little bit but back at school when I was bullied I can probably three out of five nights that I'd have to go to school I was crying that I didn't want to go because kids were cruel and they would bully me for all sorts I I had a lisp, like a really bad one. I know I've got one now, but it has calmed down an awful lot. Um, I was like completely unfanciable. I was overweight. I was my brother's sister. I had a weird last name. I never swore because I just never saw the point in swearing. I was a complete nonconformist and still am. I'm pretty proud of it now. Mm. And I just stood out. Like I just stood out and I didn't want to because I felt like, Standing out meant that I was the target. And if I was a target, then I was getting bullied. But as you grow older and you get that self-affirmation of okay, maybe I'm not the most attractive person in the world, but but I'm a really good rugby player. So you put all of your efforts into rugby playing. And so my control came from the things that I could control. So I started to focus on those things that I could control who I'm friends with, I control that. And I kept my circle very small. I had no time for any girls being mean. I had no time for any boys being mean. I was always singled out. I've always been like pretty much the, like the colored girl. It's really weird. Like even me, like I felt that discrimination through my life. So there were so many factors that people could pick up on to just make fun of me for. And I think over the years, kind of, you you do grow up because you find things that you are good at. You put your effort into those things. And when you get something back from it, it gives you more life. So actually, I went traveling back when I was 18. I actually threw myself into school and into college. And I did really, really well. So my grades were good. And that meant that I could get into the university that I wanted to get into. And I could study whatever I wanted to study. That to me felt like freedom. It was like, I worked hard because I applied myself. And I was also not distracted by people, bitchiness and boys. And so I was able to have all of this time to play sports and be good at school and be good at home because I would literally come home from school, make dinner for my family. My parents would come home. I would serve dinner to everyone. I'd go and do my homework. I would like sort all mine and my brother's uniforms out and I'd go to bed. So I had this routine. And so even though I hated school and I did hate school and it wasn't because I didn't like learning because I love learning, it was because kids were really mean to me. And so now, I mean, God, you look back and you're like, well, I'm kind of grateful for it because you kind of, you're forced to develop a personality of sorts. Like you, you're forced to develop a level of resistance to, Mm -hmm. to people being mean to you and outwardly mean to you. And I feel like that really did help me because I guess I'm a bit of a homebody and if I didn't have that, that push. To sort of work on myself a little bit I don't know whether I would be very social now and I don't know whether I would have achieved the amount of stuff that I've achieved so like low-key really appreciative for it because I was young enough to sort of learn quickly and move fast and it was just it, it came and went at a time when it was beneficial to me and my development so kind of fortunate and I guess moving through college I started traveling and seeing the world, it kind of shows you... I mean, I was stood on the edge of Niagara Falls. And I think that to me was like a tipping point where you're like, I am nothing. Like this world is massive and you are literally a drop in the ocean. And that puts everything into perspective. Then you're suddenly like, I want to make an impact. I want to be more than just another... like." ant in the sea of ants you know and I just Definitely. had like a load of like motivation to do lots of stuff and I was really into architecture and I was very arty and I, I wanted a good career so I got back home I actually taught myself to bake which that's what I did during half of my gap year I ended up starting to make these big elaborate birthday cakes and stuff and that was kind of my creative output for that year as well so I guess learning little skills also gave me a lot of confidence I've got a lot of confidence in the kitchen I've got a lot of confidence of just like kind of like my mum kind of brought me up to be a bit of a wifey like I don't know whether that's Latin American mums in general but you kind of learn to cook clean sew iron do that type of stuff like quite young so my competence gave me confidence and so all I had to learn now is like real life skills which obviously you can do surely so like changing my oil changing tires like being a bit of a tomboy being a bit rough around the edges climbing trees working on farms with my dad like it it's all character building and it's all stuff that has given me confidence over the years I think that my confidence still isn't where I would prefer it to be. I think people look at me and they're like, oh my god, like I want whatever like she's taking because she she must be really confident to to eat on camera for a living. But the insight and the intel into all of that is that I'm probably a, a fraction of what you think because I've always had this really big issue and People do laugh when I say this, but I've always had a really big issue with my face. Like I've just, I have an idea in my mind of what I would idealize to look like. And I've never looked like that woman or that girl. And I've always been like, this is not my best foot forward, if that makes sense. So I've always avoided putting my face out there. And so I've always avoided cameras. So I had this camera shyness and I would not talk to a camera or be recorded ever and if my friends were all having their photo taken i was the one taking it because there was no way that i was stood next to my friends in a photo and so it's a real shame now because i have no documentation of my history i pretty much have photos up until i was 10 and then maybe like two between the ages of 10 and 21 but then nothing in between, almost like I didn't even exist. And this was before social media. So it's not even like I have like untagged photos, you know, somewhere on somebody's like social media account. There's literally nothing of me. So it's a real shame that I can't show people what I tell them, but they're just gonna have to take my word for it. Like I was just not a very attractive kid. So grew up, traveled, went to university. I studied architecture. Architecture pretty much took me from like a 60% confident back down to like a 10% confident because I found university very tough. I found it completely unsupported. I found that I was never as good as I always set out to be. I found that it was the most difficult time for me. I wasn't achieving what I wanted to achieve. And I developed a, a level of perfectionism that I just was not reaching. And it was really frustrating. I couldn't sleep, wouldn't sleep, and pretty much it broke me down and I had to sort of start putting myself back together when I graduated. And fortunately I did graduate. I I I did I did okay, but I didn't do as well as I wanted to or I set out to do. My my fortune and actually the blessings came from the fact that I did have a personality and confidence I could talk for myself and that I was very opinionated and so when I graduated I had my end of year leavers interviews and the head of school offered me a job he was like look I'm looking for somebody to come and work for me to be a part one architect I'd be really interested for you to come in and do an interview and I'm like yeah cool let's go So I pretty much got the job within a week of graduating. So that was my like saviour. That was what actually affirmed to me that I still have a future. So (laughs) I went from being like 10% confident back up to being sort of, 50 60 percent and this job was tough like this job was really really tough like I just did not understand but my skills improved my confidence in a workplace was building and I felt like okay maybe I can do this and then I was headhunted for an interior design job as a design manager for pretty much the building next door and I took the job they made me a ridiculous offer that I could not refuse and I worked there for four years so my confidence came from the fact that I was knocked down so many times I found the outlet to invest my energy I tried and tried and tried to become as good as I can in that field and I just pushed forward and any opportunities that arose I just took them and moved and just didn't allow myself to dwell too much on what did it work out for me
1: it's really kind of interesting cuz we have a very similar kind of viewpoint and kind of like a history because i was exactly the same you know where you feel like you're almost playing a character out there you're it's not the real you you know you're behind the scenes you're kind of like feeling really nervous and stuff i still feel like that now i mean i for years i tried to stay out the shadows like i was also one taking the photos i didn't like being in them I didn't like. Even now, I still record a lot of audio rather than video because I just hate seeing myself. It's a weird yeah. kind of. But I like. There's something that popped up there was, you control the uncontrollable. You know, you can. Sorry, you control the controllables and ignore yeah. the uncontrollables. That's something I've noticed a lot of top performers do. I mean, I struggled yeah. with, the imposter syndrome, thinking, oh, somebody's going to come along and think, oh, you're not living the life that you're portraying. So yeah. I start to try to build that in. And it's like you say, it's the competency builds the confidence. I love that. It's yeah. It's amazing how it can kind of bring you out. And the stuff that you hated when you were younger is the uh-huh. stuff that makes you more attractive now. It's and I think <laughs> that's the thing is we don't understand that as kids. We yeah. kind of just attack something else to avoid being attacked mm-hmm. back. You know and it's what's
2: that really- it's like we make so much emphasis on how we look and not who we are. That is the problem. That kids put so much emphasis on what somebody looks like and how they dress and how they talk and not what they're saying.
1: Now, do you think it's a bit strange after all this kind of like attitude towards food and stuff that uh-huh. you now do a job where you're famous for eating? And It is
2: insanity. To, nope. to put it in a nutshell like my life has taken so many turns that I just I, I try and break it down and explain it and people are like but how because I'm an opportunist and when things present themselves I'm like you know what I'm not going to be 25 years old forever or 30 years old forever. I'm just going to ride this wave out and see what happens. And who knows? I might end up meeting really cool people or earning really good money or doing something that nobody has done before. And that to me was like my big goal when I was younger was to well, there were two. Like, I wanted to do a TED talk because I was always like really into TED talks and I still am. And I really want, I, I never really knew what the TED talk was going to be about and I still don't really know, but I think it's going to be something to do with food. But um, my second one was that I would like to be on Forbes' 50 most powerful women list. And I don't know what got that into my head, but I just felt like I have the power. Like I have this thing inside of me, this fire and this ambition, and I just want to let it run for as long as it will run. And that's where I think that's the thing inside of me that people find, that's the energy that I think people find really refreshing maybe. Um, And it's, it's weird because... I am not a confident person but I've learned that the more I've put myself out there actually the more people have accepted me for just exactly who I am and anyway there's some kind of statistic where people find you 20% more attractive than you find yourself so there you go Great
1: there's back. hope there, there's hope for me yeah that's well. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> I mean because that's the thing is it's now with this whole online dating and things like that and it's then when you finally meet the person, they're nothing like the character they portray on these apps and stuff. And it's yeah. strange that we're sort of taught to hide that side of us. But, I mean, I found I found it quite interesting, like, that your career, like you were talking about being an opportunist just now. Yeah. You started your whole sort of competitive eating side because you wanted to take the mick out of your brother. You know, that he had lost the competition, was it 10 weeks in a row? And you yeah. we went in to do it so there were two questions that was a you know what was the competition what did you have to eat and b did he ever achieve it because i've never heard if he did or didn't so funny
2: so yeah i pretty much got into competitive eating in 2013 now long story short i was prepping for a bikini show i'd started bodybuilding in 2011 And I got into into pretty good shape. I was the only kind of one of the only women in a gym lifting weights. And it was really bizarre. So I was very encouraged to go and compete in a bikini show. So anyway, I was prepping for about 16 weeks. I was pretty lean and really hungry, but I was super disciplined with food. It was like my way of sort of controlling like things. I know that that's where it all kind of originates. Um, But my brother would come home every Sunday and be like so we did this food challenge and we failed it it was a big burger stack with fries and coleslaw I think from a brilliant um restaurant which it unfortunately did close down but they were called crust and they were quite local to us and they would do like they had a menu of challenges and he'd come home and he'd be like oh failed the challenge and his mate all failed and it was funny it kind of floated around Facebook quite a lot and it, I just gave him a bit of banter, you know, I was just like every week that he'd go and try it. I'd be like, have you done it? And he'd come back and he'd be like, "Um, yeah, Be like, have you? Did you? Did you do it? And he's like, no, no, I didn't. I'm like, you are rubbish. Like you are laying the side down. And he just kind of called me out and was like, I think he called me out on Facebook on one of the posts that the restaurant had posted. And he was like, come on, then you come and show us how it's done on Facebook. So actually after my show, we'd gone to this restaurant and the person in the restaurant recognized me and said, are you going to try it? And I was like, uh, kind of couldn't let the side down then. So they actually released this, a new challenge that was a dessert challenge. And it was a stack of waffles and it was layered with like brownies and uh, ice cream and peanut butter. There was like a whole tub of peanut butter in there and Nutella and it, it was the most beautiful I've ever seen in at least 16 weeks but prior to my diet for the show I was eating keto diet for like over a year I was on super 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 no carb high fat diet like I had not had bread and it's just insanity so anyway this dessert was like everything that I needed in my life and so I did the challenge and I actually did it in like six minutes with just one spoon no hands like just casual six minutes finish a challenge set the record the waiter was like what my mum had actually requested extra spoons for when I was going to fail it so that they can all help me finish it and when I'd done it it was like oh my god I'm actually good at something this is insane so I got like a big high from that not just from the sugar but just generally and the next day I woke up super lean, really good feeling. I felt satiated. I felt like energetic and I had a really strong week at the gym lifting. And I thought, there's something behind this. Like this is something that I could do. Like be on a calorie deficit through the week. And then on a Sunday I go out and I have a meal with my friends, not necessarily a challenge. And I started to incorporate this into my life and my world and it kind of created a type of a balance to somebody that was very, very into fitness. And I definitely overtrained back then. I definitely trained too much. So it kind of set me back level and I wasn't gaining nor losing weight. And so it, it was good. Then slowly the challenges starts to mount up. So people were tagging me in challenges. I wasn't, obviously Instagram wasn't a thing then. Um, so it's weird to it's- think about it. It's weird to think about, it's weird to think that this was not documented because it would have been epic and I would be probably in a whole different situation now. And it's almost a shame, but then almost not at the same time, because I was very not confident at all. Um, so I was always like this skinny fit chick at the gym. I was like, like a skinny pack type of girl. I was really into like yoga Pilates, lifting weights. I was like super toned, but really, really small. Um, and I'd met a guy that was a bodybuilder and he kind of taught me the basis of bodybuilding. And he was like, Look, to be able to like gain lean mass, you need to start eating like more calories, more food, blah blah blah. So this was like all around the same time as I was competing. I was learning about nutrition, health nutrition, and balance. And then when I started with my first food challenge and seeing that it didn't actually, I didn't wake up fat which was brilliant. I actually went the whole like year not gaining weight. And I was like, how is this? So it's like, okay, two and two together. Calories in versus calories out actually works. If you keep your high and high output, the food that you put into your body, like as long as you make sure that you've got a good balance, like have a chocolate bar if you want it. But I sort of got so far with nutrition at that point that I was quite happy eating like a really bland, like bodybuilding diet through the week. And I just prep my own food and just go through the motions that didn't bother me. But I always made sure that I had a cheat meal at the end of the week. And it was kind of a way for me to sort of, it was kind of like a treat because I'd kind of worked so hard. I know it sounds silly now, but yeah, that was just my thing. So let's fast forward a little bit because God, my story is just so wonderful.
1: Um, kind of. I mean, there's out- cheap meals and then there's taking the mech with some of the challenges.
2: You know, yeah, some of the challenges are ridiculous, but it kind of, so I evolved with this too. And people look at me now and they're like, how is this even possible? But I have had times in the past, even before social media, that I gained weight because I was trying to add food challenges onto a normal maintenance diet. So to me, I was just thought if I exercise more and ate more, then I would be able to just break even. But unfortunately, some challenges are like six, seven, eight, fifteen thousand 15,000 calories. And that is like a week's worth of calories. That's so cool. you have to be more mindful of it. So I've been like up and down my weight. I fortunately, now I'm not, I'm not knocking this. I gain and lose weight respectively. So if I was to eat less, I lose weight. If I was to eat more, I gain weight. I don't have like some weird metabolism. Like generally speaking, if I was to eat like loads and loads and loads all of the time, every single day, I'm going to gain weight just like anybody else. But it took a long time to learn this. Like it took me maybe from 2014 when I graduated all the way up to 2016 maybe that my weight did go up and down. And I did document, I did a photo like a before and after on Instagram where I show people that over a course of a year, I'd actually lost weight because I was doing less challenges. So before I would do sort of one or two big challenges per week to do for YouTube. And instead of that, I, I limited it to one per week and I would do one big high calorie challenge and then one speed challenge. So really, you're balancing out your calories from the challenges. And then in between that, I would intermittent fast. So this isn't for everyone. I eat a very bland diet, very low, like low calorie through the week. And I count for the challenge I'm going to be doing. And I'm very like, kind of, I'm so home, like it's so trained at this point in my career and my life. I've been competitively eating since 2013. I've been successfully managing my weight since I want to say 2016 or 2017, maybe. So 2017 and 18 were really big years for me because those were the years I competed at the world championship eating competition that was held in New York. And I met so many competitive eaters. And that was kind of the start of my eating career. So aside from like the whole learning about food and nutrition and calories and ins and outs and training, I was now like introduced to the world of competitive eating in its entirety.
0: It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy. So how do you know which ones are worth your hard earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com/affiliates and level up.
1: It's it's quite amazing. Like when you sort of listen to it, it's like how just doing something to shop your brother can create this kind of like this business and this goal and, you know, just create this brand. And I mean, when I first came onto your Instagram, I mean, I was loving watching your videos anyway. I subscribed as soon as I seen it. I, I, I'm not sure what the appeal is of watching somebody eat, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's probably eating more than like what you expect somebody to eat or it goes yeah. against the cultural norm or something. I don't know. And it's like, and then I went onto your Instagram and i was looking at you going what the hell like she is stunning and i was like how do, how does she eat that and then when i learned about how you kind of reversed engineered the scientific approach of it and you smash it in the gym and you, you know and when i was asking other people about it they were like they're watching your videos going that's amazing and the way <laughs> you would eat cleanly and you'd tidy up as you went along and you know it was just like I can understand the base. I mean, what do you think the appeal of like? I don't want to say competitively, to but you know, just eating and generally, why do you think you've built up this sort of audience of fans?
2: Um. So I, I didn't really go out with an intention per se to be this clean eater, but I've become this person. I think there are many reasons, and I do have a very varied age of audience so it starts at sort of five or six years old and ranges all the way to in people in their 70s and i think that the commonality there is that people like to see people eating food it's very intimate very very intimate and so i think there's but a twofold man versus food became very popular because Mm -hmm. he was charismatic he loved food like people love food and he It kind of creates a satisfaction to watch somebody eat something that you probably couldn't eat. So I think that there's like loving your favorite football team because they go out and they win games. And when they lose, it's okay because next time they'll get it. It's almost like they buy into you as like their team. So I think that it's part of that. It's a competition and people love competition. It's always like the biggest guy can eat the most, but it's not a fact because I have beaten Eddie Hall. So like I have beaten big guys because it isn't just your capacity. It isn't just an inherent capacity. It's also knowing your limits, knowing what's going to hold you back and making a plan to get you through that. It's a mentality that you can block out taste, smell, sounds, you can block out, people in an audience, you can block out everything around you and just focus in on whatever you are doing. And it's just a psychological way to block the external factors that would make you stop. I think with me, the other thing is that like, I don't have that, like you are your full stop. Like I don't have that thing and I've never really had it. And so I think that really does help me a lot. There are many, many reasons that make me enjoyable for people to watch but I think they vary a lot I think some people like the fascination of this what they consider a small girl eating a large amount of food or at least more food than they would be able to eat there's a a culture of of dieters that will watch me because they're not able to eat like all people that are allergic or lacto intolerance or any types of like gluten tolerance things like that those people will watch me eat to satisfy their cravings and also a lot of vegans watch my channel because they are vegan out of like um more it's it's not like i don't know how to explain it it's not that they don't like meat it's more of like a, a standing that they're making and so to satisfy their want to eat meat they watch people eat meat so it's there's there's many, many reasons, and I do think that there's there's an amount of people that do enjoy the cleanliness, the fact that I don't like dunk food and I don't rip things apart and I'm very like respectful, especially with Japanese and Asian food. Like I make sure to eat things as they would um sort of in like traditionally with
1: the chopsticks and yeah. yeah,
2: traditionally, like I try to be as respectful as possible because I'm super cultured. I like people of culture to respect that and also if I educate somebody in that respect like it makes me really really happy
1: because there was definitely there was like weird comments on your like I was watching a few of them like you know when you beat Eddie with the fish and chips for example and yeah you know and then there I liked when you were talking about how you used the lemon to cut through like the the fat and the oil sort of content and there was that sort of scientific approach but you also there were people commenting going, I really like the way she eats like I think it was a giant burger. <laughs> and people were like, I like the way she eats it like a burger, not pulling it apart. And I thought, really? That's what you're paying. I was like, all right, for oh, now.
2: Yeah. And it, so it's a funny story. So there there is there is a thing behind this, and I didn't really I wasn't too aware of it until I'd met my current boyfriend like oh like almost two years ago. Um, but our first date he was like, would you mind if I order for us? And I was like, this is a really weird thing because guys would normally ask me where I wanted to go and what time and, and kind of never lead. And this guy just suddenly went, this is where we're going, meet me at this time. Like I'll, I'll be there, I'll recce the area. And um, I kind of met him. He said, can I order for us? I said, yeah, cool. And he ordered us Chicken wings to start, like the Frank's hot sauce chicken wings. I like this guy. So, can you imagine? So, any, I'm guessing any normal girl would probably be very like weird about eating messy chicken wings with her hands and dipping in a sauce and getting it all over her makeup and her face. And with the burgers, some girls cut burgers in half to like, or eat them with a knife and fork. And so his test to me was, is she going to get stuck in? Is she going to eat it properly as it was made to be eaten? And of course I did, because like, this is kind of what I do. Um, And yeah, that was my test. So I think that there is definitely like a culture there of people that like things eaten how they're meant to be eaten. So a burger, two hands get stuck in, don't worry about whatever's going on on your face. And I do cap off a lot of videos with something on my face and I've I, I come to believe that it's a bit endearing so I've just left it
1: because you get to that point though, so like when like I've gone for dates and girls have told me later like in relationships that yeah oh, like I was starving that day and I was like what the hell did you eat it doesn't like I don't I love seeing people like you know I want them to be happy even if it's yeah. just if it's not going to work out, and I just find that kind of thing of being somebody else or try to portray a character that you're not that person, it's strange. Like like girls who say they they never farted in front of their boyfriend, you know. It's just like we all do it. It's just yeah. it's a bizarre kind of way that we kind of portray. We are, are
2: so conditioned,
1: but it's also Britain that by. thing. It's like we want to see like the underdog overcome the big obstacle. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah. The things yeah. I really liked was, like, the... I was, like, I started powerlifting, for example. I was deadlifting oh, awesome. and squatting and all that stuff. But I had to eat a lot more. And then when I started yeah. seeing these, like, my beard versus food and stuff like that, and when I could see local UK people doing it, it kind of made me realise you could do it. Because, you know, you see all these American ones and they all, like, eat 50 hot dogs in a minute. Or, you know, it's ridiculous. You go, hmm. But yeah. when I could see local people kind of doing it and i was like right that means i could do it but it also made me realize that i learned ways of eating more you know yeah. not and un- un- enjoying food but cooking food and challenging spices and rubs and adding in the calories to help me build and bulk up i mean i became yeah. a fat twat obviously because <laughs> i was eating i ate like super noodles and i went down the wrong way completely but yeah i think there's that kind of st- style as well i mean you sort of taught people that it's okay to enjoy food to have the cheap meal to have to you know you don't go and eat it all the day but you kind of go in and learn about food and appreciate it and how it affects your body and change because I like the the way you do a before and after physique do you find it changes your body much at all when you're eating this sort of quantities of food oh, do you notice a difference?
2: yeah it it depends really it's quite a common question to be honest I get different like my body responds differently to different challenges and oftentimes I just feel like a heaviness like just a heaviness inside my stomach my stomach will feel like very like protruding and not like normal but obviously it's because you've just eaten a ton of food and I don't I don't really have any digestive problems like I've got quite a healthy body I I guess I, I, I'm kind of, my diet outside of food challenges is super clean. It's super like thought about, and I make all my own food. I try to keep my calories fairly low, but like it, it varies every single week. It really does. Food challenges depends on what it is. I don't often get bloated, but like, I guess after a food challenge, you're generally just really, really full. And so I can feel a little bit lethargic. I can feel a little bit tired. Um, but then my body my my core temperature just goes through the roof so I really do struggle to sleep nights I do food challenges so what I've noticed has helped is if I was to do a challenge earlier on in the day stay active go for a walk do something like that and it kind of helps your body move and utilize at least some of the calories but in terms of like long term I can pretty much recover and get back to feeling normal and having like a normal appetite within like a week of doing a food challenge I would say that it probably takes me about four or five days
1: so how do you deal with that rush of e-numbers and additives and you know all this because when you eat healthy and like when you meal prep and when you you probably don't calorie count it's it's such like but how do you play that into I mean do you use things like my fitness pal and these kind of apps or Oh, how do you plan your schedule and then work that around all the conflicting things you do? You know, like the PR stuff, going to the gym, doing your videos, shooting videos, and all this kind of stuff. Like, gosh. how do you? How what have you learned about your project management? About eating your scheduling because you're a busy person. You do so much. Yeah, and you um, fit. You know, how do you fit in these remarkable challenges? It's
2: okay. So with fitness has always been part of my life since my life, since I feel my life really started, which was like my early 20s. So for me, going to a gym and working out and like, like training, lifting weights doesn't feel like a task. So it's just part of my day. So when the gyms open back up, I'll go back to my normal routine. But right now it's been a bit crap. But generally speaking it's part of my everyday and I don't really find it much of an effort I go through the lulls the ups and the downs and like the plateaus like anybody else but I go through the motions I pick myself back up and I do what I can do um with the time that I've got and I just try and just keep moving so what sort
1: um, of plan do you do at the gym tonight because I don't like
2: yeah, I'm a bro trainer. Like, I'm ai am a, I'm a five-day split bro trainer. Oh. I, I do isolation. I, I'm i very, like, I got stuck in this rut, and then I started doing push-pull legs. So I kind of dip in and out of just going full-volume powerlifting type stuff into, like, oh, a yeah, I, I went, so my body grows at a rate, especially my legs. And so when I do any kind of volume training, I do see like a big spike in size, but because I, my aesthetic that I like is to be quite like, quite like toned over being quite swole. So I would then do sort of four weeks back in isolation doing those types of going through the motions, doing those movements, like focusing on like the lagging body parts. And then I would move on to like a push pull legs and just do like the big muscle groups. So I do vary things up a bit. And I think that that does help keep your motivation up too. Um, I think I should, I would probably go back in on push pull legs because I think that it's the most forgiving way to sort of get back into a gym routine.
1: Um, Do you think that's uh, the sort of thing that, a lot more girls should be doing there it's their inability to not go towards the weights you know they kind of stick to the cardio and stuff like that because i find that you know any girl that i've seen who's worked out this is going to say slightly sexist but any girl who works out you know squats deadlifts and that is a stunning you know but their body is amazing why do girls is it this stupid attitude that we've ingrained into young girls that they have to be super skinny they have to be like these moron Kardashians and all these kind of girls
2: i actually think that that attitude has dissipated a lot over the years i think that um certainly in my time being in a gym, attitudes have changed a lot. The dynamic and demographic of a gym has changed an awful lot. When I first started training, there weren't girls around and guys used to look at me like, what on earth are you doing here? Like, (laughs) what are you doing lifting your little five kg pink weights? You know, like I was really, really weak. And so I knew that my goal was to get stronger. And that was just my, my overriding thing. And I just didn't take any notice of what anybody else thought of me. I had my goals and I had my plan and nobody was going to stop me doing that. So I kind of just stuck to my own thing. I'm very tunnel visioned and when I've got a goal, I just go for it. And I, I learned like a really good way of gym etiquette where If another girl started at my gym, I always made it a point to sort of speak to her and, like, see what she's about and things like that. And Because I know it's a very intimidating place for girls to be. And I think over the years, the attitudes have been that it's a very welcoming place. And men actually love having women about, even though I'm sure women are very distracting. Sorry, guys, but we've just got to do our thing. And it's just it's a culture now and i feel like since it became very faddy and very all over social media i kind of took a massive step back because i don't see myself as a fitness girl anymore i feel like i just do it i do it because i love it and it's just part of my life um but i do i definitely think we we grow up in a culture we grow up conditioned to think we have to look and weigh and and act and talk a certain way And it's very old fashioned and I'm sure that it is going to change with the next generation. But I definitely felt like I've had to allow myself to be more myself and less this person that people idealize of me.
1: Yeah, I mean, because that's why I felt like the imposter syndrome when I first started was I wasn't being like I was trying to play up to a character that I was portraying initially when I had the another variation of this website. And uh-huh. it's that moment of when you go to the gym, you see everybody and they're super big and you go, oh shit, they look scary. And they're some of the nicest people in the world and they're all wanting yeah. to help you because they started at that point and they're always yeah. available for advice. And yeah. I've got great friends from it, but it's that kind of... But people get so focused in on their own thing that they can appear unapproachable. But, you know, it's this kind of, we're slowly getting better. Yes, the, uh, what, is it? what do they call us now? Generation Z people, <laughs> millennials. You yeah, know, we are, there are some parts of our collective personalities that are not very good. But this yeah. attitude of girls can do whatever they want, guys can do whatever they want. the Our accept, our, what do you call it? Acceptability level the way that we yeah. kind of just uh, approve of things now whereas yeah. back when we were maybe kids in the 80s and 90s people kind of go oh no you can't do that no girls are not meant to yeah. do that and i think yeah. it messed up a lot of people unfortunately yeah so how do you found like with girls with your videos i mean how do you find the the general reaction because i did find unfortunately there were some creepy comments there was some sexualization of your yeah. of you. Oh, you know, I mean, we talked about this before we started, but what's your attitudes towards the sort of social media side where it opens up? I mean, because you are how you how you portray yourself on videos. You know, you I find you cracking, and I'd love to you know, I'd love to go for drinks and have a laugh and stuff like that. <laughs> but how do you find that side where it introduces you to the guys who? You know, like the people who see you like a piece of meat or see you somebody that they can just insult and things like that, which says a lot more about them. But how have you learned to deal with that negative side? Because I struggled initially being bullied with negativity coming back and I had to learn to kind of, ah, well, fuck them, you know. But how did you cope with that side?
2: So it's interesting because I. I'm a girl's girl, but also I'm a guy's girl. I've been friends with guys since I was really young. I was a tomboy. I had a brother who had friends. I was friends with his friends. And so I kind of have a way to speak to people in, like you kind of pick and choose how to speak to certain people, certain groups, etc. So I've always felt really confident that I'm a nice person, that I'm relatable, that I'm, I don't like, Think the world of myself and I'm confident in in obviously like as I mentioned before I'm confident in that I, I have value or like I, I can offer to people like a really like good friend and I think that that's valuable and that's obviously like a good thing so when it comes when it came to starting a YouTube channel I kind of got thrown in the deep end but not so much so I was working full-time as a commercial interior designer. I was living this whole life at work, and then I was trying to balance it out with this life on social media. Girls respond really positively toward what I do because it kind of allows them to, like, have that, like, to express the sort of guilty pleasures through me. And I love that. And I've had really great responses over social media. Now I hit a really massive milestone where my demographic switched from being an 80-20 guy-to-girl ratio of my followers into a 51-49 ratio of girls-to-guys. So girls have actually like overtaken the guys. And for every creepy comment or creepy message that I get from a guy, which to be fair, people are going to try their luck when it's anonymous. They're going to say stuff they would never say in real life. And so oh, they would have the guts like, to
1: say to your face. So.
2: It's literally taken with a pinch of salt, anything inappropriate gets blocked and deleted. And I just move on. And for every one of those, I probably get two, three, four messages from girls. Like, I love what you do. You've given me so much confidence and you've shown me that like it is possible to reach my goals and things like that. I think the problem with social media and this I find it is a really big overriding problem is that you only really show people a snippet of your life at that very time. But I can't really show in every video how I've been through this massive long learning of oneself and reawakening and journey and learning of and reading of articles back before we had people telling us what to eat and how to eat it. You used to have to read articles that people wrote, like you used to have to actually go out, find the sources and learn about nutrition and diet and exercise and reach new goals and all of that stuff. And even back then, it wasn't totally like... Accurate, whereas now you've just got a wealth of information of how to get yourself how you want to be. And the problem is that I kind of offer people an outlet, but it's almost like an unrealistic expectation that I just sit there and I eat all this food and I don't gain any weight, which is obviously not true. Um, So I try to be as transparent as possible. And I'm like, look, I have off days, I don't always look clean, I have like literally through lockdown, I gained weight, because obviously I don't have a gym, I've had to kind of try and manage my calories, go out for walks, my muscle um, definition has definitely like deflated, but muscle memory is a great thing, it means that you can pretty much take three months off from training, one month back into training, and you'll pretty much be back where you were, so long as you put in the time, and effort, and work, and momentum, and all of that stuff, and fully confident that you'll get yourself back to where you need to be. I have been kind of training for long enough to know that this isn't the end of the world. And so I go through the motions. And I think the one thing that I've learned about this whole process and about learning how to manage my lifestyle is not to read into it too much, not to be too calculating and not to be too precise. Because the minute that I start doing that, I'll fall back into my routine from when I was 21, 22 weighing food timing when I eat, making sure they get the right calories in, that is a way to not only control food, but control your life. And it comes from a lack of control in your life. So I found that since i found control of my personality and my job and my career and all of that stuff, I don't really need to control really what I'm eating. Now, it's unfortunate that my job is to eat tons of calories because then I have to balance it out and I do have to go days where I'm fasting. It doesn't really like matter that much because when you do a big high calorie meal, you don't really want to eat for like an amount of time afterwards. So it's fine, you know, like just be very mindful. But what I have learned is that intuitive eating is probably uh, the biggest lifesaver. It's like, listen to your body. If you're hungry, eat, if you're not hungry, don't eat, it's valuable, because calories matter, wherever you're getting it from, be conscious, know your limits, know your maintenance calories and goals, learn about nutrition, and then just don't overthink it, I know it's really hard to say, it's taken me years to get to this point, but don't overthink it, because my gosh, we all get a little bit chubby over lockdown, but it'll all be fine.
1: I mean that's the thing is everybody's panicking just now assuming that this is the end of the days and all this kind of stuff and it's like we get through it we've got resilience yeah. we've got these like scientists working on vaccines and stuff and it, it you know it just means you can get a chance to kind of take a breather reset it but also create habits and rituals and procedures that means that you eat better that you work out better that you get your mental health sorted you go off and like learn what's important in your life and see where your priorities were, maybe aligned wrongly and stuff. And I loved in your videos, I think it was the one in Middlesbrough where you were eating the, was it, the par- Parma oh. Ham or something like that, yeah, where there was a little girl screaming. She was delighted and she was really motivated. <laughs> but people were commenting on that and all these girls were kind of going, oh, great job. And it's I love that kind of attitude shift that you're showing people that it's acceptable that that you can enjoy food that you don't have to be stick thin that you know you don't have to be all counting calories and not being eating what you want because you can accommodate that and part of your diet and control and you can actually discover who you are because that's the journey i'm on just now i still feel sometimes like i hide in the shadows on like my channel and i don't market myself as well as i should because I'm afraid of people going, you know, like that's probably more of my being bullied, overhang, yeah. shall we say, and stuff. Yeah. And it's it, it annoys me, but when I see people like you who have had that horrible upbringing as well, and the way you're smashing it now, I go, yeah, that's what I want to be. And to think you're inspiring all these girls, all these, even guys, it must be yeah. amazing to think about that, you know? And you should be super proud of what you're doing but what's been your sort of favorite challenge at the moment? Have you got ones that you enjoy doing? Is it like yeah. speed eating? Is it the volume? Is it because you're smashing I... Guinness records like they're nothing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think just starting from the beginning of that, and I think that in in your respect, it is like um a journey of self-discovery when you get onto social media because life is so different before social media as to now that you're on there and it's so easy to try and hide but the reality is is the most success you'll get is when you show people the most true version of yourself and I can't take all the credit because my boyfriend is the mental resilience coach for the military so he is like my number one supporter and like the rock behind every kind of great achievement that I've had in the last couple of years has been because I've had like this person mm. literally breaking down my insecurity to me and being like you can do it and not sometimes you of
1: oh, hide back into the no,
2: absolutely not I mean he was he's a paratrooper in the army he's been in for 14 years he works in mental resilience he's working towards his um psychology degree and things like that so we do have some very intense conversations but the one thing that he says to me all the time is that remember who you are and he keeps saying that to me and it's like what does that even mean but you have to create that for yourself and so it's definitely been it's been tough there's been days and challenges where I want to wring his neck because he's like come on you can do it but I really can't do it and I like especially with world records he will be there being the adjudicator, and he will be like, come on, go, move faster, do it. And I swear to God, I cannot go any faster and you know you just want to dive over the table and just ring them like <laughs> no i can't do it anymore um but you know that when somebody has an amount of confidence in you you do perform at a much higher level so i do have like i said before i have a very close circle and i have people that really do believe in me and i'm very fortunate for that and i think that if you don't have that you have to be that for yourself So you have to be like, what are the reasons that I'm doing this? If I put myself out there, if I'm my true, genuine self, especially when I started showing my face more on social media, I was far more accepted because suddenly I became human. I wasn't just this body on Instagram. I was suddenly this really weird chick with like lots of flaws and can eat lots of food and talks with like food on her face and things like that and people are like you know what it's funny it's relatable it's like it's not like my content is enjoyment like I just want people to enjoy it I want people to just eat with me you know like get your dinner let's eat together you know so I think that there's a lot of value that comes with showing your face on social media and creating videos that are going to resonate with people. And especially on the platform that you're doing, Like, I feel like speaking with people that you find inspirational is going to bring yourself out more because you're genuinely interested. And I think that's a great thing.
1: Oh, um, definitely. It allows, you to, it allows me to find myself. And that's yeah. why I spend a lot of time um, asking questions that I want to know. And yeah. then think of the audience, if you know what I mean.
2: But like, do you do you like live vicariously through those people's experiences, or do you feel like you're like, okay, well, if this person managed to do this, so can I, and I'm going to.
1: Oh, I definitely have started doing more, a lot more stuff outside of it because of what you've asked. You know, like I started off by asking how to fix my squat, how to fix my deadlift, and then asking other stuff to help, like programming and stuff. And now I'm thinking, well, a big thing, you know, like about not standing out was. I've always thought about competing in jiu-jitsu, like something I do. Oh, and yeah. now I, I did a podcast with um, somebody who I've interviewed before about competing for the first time, what to learn how to train for it and all that. And it's now motivating me to do that. And then obviously COVID, you know? So yeah. this kind of thing helps. So now girls who are, are guys and that are seeing you create a channel and a passion are going, uh-huh. well, she can do it. Yeah, I can do it. I can, go, I can oh. put myself out there.
2: Funnily enough, I did a, I did a contest, did a live contest for charity in November, November? I think it was November, back when the world was spinning. Um, and we raised some money for a Action for Children, actually. And, um, the whole idea of it was, it was given other big eaters an opportunity to go up against me to sort of put themselves kind of in the ring. And it was a nice kind of meet and greet idea. So we sold a ton of tickets. We opened this restaurant. I worked with Man Versus Food London that do like loads of different challenges where you can win cash um, if you successfully manage to complete them up to 250 pounds cash. If you can eat a burger like that's insane. Um, so they did a burrito challenge for us and I ended up winning. Thank, thankfully I couldn't go there as like the person that started this and not win. I was just absolutely dreading it. But yeah, fortunately I won only marginally, but I did. And, um, it was a very fast challenge. We ate like a three kilo burrito in like three or four minutes. So it came and went very, very quickly, but that was a great opportunity for people to kind of see things firsthand and it kind of created a little bit more credibility for myself because social media is a very interesting platform where in general you show snippets of your life and, and a highlight reel but people get to see like the up close and nasty of a food challenge and a contest and a, a girl approached me at the end and she was like i reckon i could beat you i was like cool she's like yeah, yeah i'm a really big eater i'm like that's awesome and she i said why don't you just have a go at doing a challenge I've done in the past and record it and send it to me. And she was like, yeah, well, I actually never heard from her again. Maybe she tried and she probably wasn't as good as she thought. But the point was that like maybe a girl that wouldn't previously have felt like it was okay for a girl to step forward and go, you know what? I can beat the boys. I mean, I was the only girl in that lineup eating that burrito. So it was like, Gender to me has nothing to do with it. Like you can be as savage as a girl and as savage as a guy. And it just, Mm. attitude, attitude is half the battle. And for me, I don't like dirty tactics. I don't like the cheating. I don't like the, any of that stuff. I try and keep my content as raw as I possibly can so that people can see, the good, the bad, the ugly, the like food all over the face, the like wiping of the table and the wiping of my mouth and like trying to keep things tidy and cute, but I'm not really that tidy and cute. (laughs) (laughs) And I think people like it, you know, so I am fortunate in that
1: sense. I mean, it probably helped that girl where the it allowed her competitive side, you know, the bit that she doesn't need to hide back. She could stand out, but it allowed her to have an avenue to do it without running into potential conflict you know she could come yeah. up to somebody who in a enjoyable place setting, and say oh I think I could eat that better than you you know and yeah. you have a laugh and you're friendly back with her and it's a bit of banter but it lets her kind of go yes you can push yourself out there and go for what you want and she could then maybe go to another situation but that characteristic could then come out and it's yeah it's quite when you when you break it down I start seeing all this kind of stuff, and people write to me and say, "Oh, this cup, you know, this um, chat you had with X, Y, Z, really changed my life, or really helped my gym." Oh, and I kind um, of go, "Really?" That and makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? I also get some really creepy comments, like I'm well, not go to those, but um, yeah. but I mean, you get that kind of strangeness. That's like I'm um, I I wanted a podcast like this, like now there is other ones that could allow me to change parts of my life that i want to change you know be more confident but not just a self development podcast i wanted one that chatted about how to be better in the gym how to be better in bed how to be better in dating how to be better in like work you know that cover every aspect of it and this is why i love this sort of stuff yeah it's
2: fantastic and it is fascinating to hear people's experiences with like with life because we all are on a different journey and i think that when i listen to podcasts I can relate so much to people that I would never expect to. And I'm like, wow. I mean, we have a lot of like parallels and I did a podcast like two days ago and I had a lot of parallels with the guy I was speaking to. And it was funny because I'd known him for two, two years, three years or whatever. And we didn't actually know that we had so much in common. So I think that it's definitely useful to hear other people's experiences and probably seeing them at work so that you can be like, I think I can do this. Maybe it gives people confidence. Maybe it makes people more like outwardly willing to put themselves in the firing line, because I guess part of what I do is like, I am a female and I probably don't look like what you'd expect a competitive eater to look like, uh, which I think is fortunate and it kind of works in my favor because I've always been a bit of an underdog, but it's, it's it's kind of losing like the fact that social media is a thing makes it like impossible to ever be an underdog anymore but before people ever knew that like what i'd done and what i what i have and what i've won they would just be like we're not expecting anything and i actually have a really um really fond memory let's say my first year at the world championships i was the captain of team gb um, we had Beard Meets Food, um, a guy called Mark Pitt, who is awesome, and a girl called Emma Dalton, who's not really anywhere anymore. I haven't heard from her in a while. Uh, but we flew over to the, the US to compete at the Battle of the Big Eaters. And we were up against Team USA, Team Japan, and Team Taiwan. And we had no idea what we were walking into. And I remember I was being put up against Japan's number one at the time, who was Max Suzuki. And all I heard was like, this guy is like insane. He is so fast and he can eat so much Like you're done. So I just thought, you know, like I'm going to give it my all because that's what I do. Like I go into things completely blind and I just give it everything that I've got. And I'm super confident. Um, I'm very like um, competitive. And I've just, I've got that, I've got that hunger for lack of better phrase. And that fire inside of me that just wants to do well. So, irrespective of what field it is, whether it's architecture, interior design, like training in a gym or eating, like if I'm going to do it, I need to put all of myself into it. So I ended up having a chat with, oh gosh, I ended up having a chat with, um, a guy called Todd Greenwald and he was the sponsor for Team USA. Great guy. He did a lot of like the intros and the voiceover type stuff. Like he has an awesome tone to his voice. Um, but I went over to him and I think he was stood with one of the USA's eaters. I'm not sure who it was though. And I said, do you have any advice for me? And he said, he looked me up and down and bless him because he's actually a really nice guy. They was like, just do your best. And it was almost like a really pitiful comment. Anyway, I went onto stage and I was doing chicken skewers and they brought out like this great big tray. And with, these challenges for Japanese TV, they give you 30 minutes on the clock and you literally just keep eating. You just keep going. And the person that's eaten the most at the end of the time is the winner. These challenges are my worst because I don't have a stop. So I will keep going. But at the end of that 30 minutes, I feel like I'm going to pop. So this is the problem with them. And this is why I would avoid it in future. So Max and I went head to head and it was so tight. We were neck and neck for like the first 20 skewers. And then he was ahead of me for like two. And then we got to like, I think I got to like 28 skewers and he was ahead of me by three. And it was almost the end of the time. And I just couldn't make it up. And I lost by three skewers. And I swear to you, when I walked off their faces, they were like, that was insane. You're really good you've got lots of potential. Let's chat, let's talk. And that changed it for me. So I think that my attitude changed because I was always willing to just give things a real go. But then when people were surprised by what I could do, when I put my mind to something, it gave me more confidence and it gave me more drive to do really well and also dropped people's pre like prior judgment of me like as we all prejudge people we all already make our assumptions about a person before we even see them perform so when that happened i kind of played on the fact that i didn't look like i could do a lot and the fact that i'd done so well even though i didn't win was enough for me it was like he's japan's number 1 these people thought i was going to lose miserably miserably and i actually surprised them all which made me feel really good so it gave me a lot of confidence even in my loss I I felt really confident moving forward so I kind of used my appearance to my advantage whereas my whole life I felt like an outsider and like I stood out in the the wrong way Mm. and over the years if we just do like a full circle now over the years I've kind of used my individualism to my advantage so I always hated my last name, like Shukheva. What even is that? Like I have to lead with a spelling of it. Like I can't just be like Shukheva. People are like, excuse me, what? So I always felt really conscious about my last name, and now it's it's golden. Like you search Leah Shutkeever and I'm the only person in the world with that name. So
1: well, you've made t- it a tagline, t- even you know, like Shapanev. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I thought that was cl- that was a question I was going to ask you about actually.
2: Yeah, so there's there's a lot that, of good that comes into being an individual. And I think also like the fact that I'm so mixed and I'm like a minority, I guess, in a sense, that attitudes have, have fully shifted in my favor. And I think that that's because I've embraced um what it is that I've been given and I've kind of made good of things that I could control and everything else. I just tried to switch it so that it kind of worked for me. So now everyone calls me shut, which is really weird. And I kind of love it, too.
1: I think that's great because it's showing that this side of you, you know, the, the young Leah, the one that wanted to come out but couldn't, that felt kind of <laughs> controlled, is now coming out and, may, and going, like, yeah, you know, getting stronger and stronger and going, right, I'm going to go and achieve this. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I mean, I've still got so many questions. so I definitely would love to do it round two because this has been one of the funnest interviews I've had in a long time. Yeah, you know,
2: want it then
1: let's do it oh definitely I mean I've got stuff about like eating hacks and how to use liquid to accommodate it the mindset and speed eating hacks and oh we could go for hours we but could. I mean I'm just I've just looked at the time and went oh sorry I've used up a lot of your time <laughs> so before we get into sort of round two you know is there what would you want people to take from this what would you want them to have as a kind of a remembrance because initially I was going to look at You know attitudes to food, but I think it's kind of the theme of this seems to be what you've you've learned how to change your attitudes to food, which has helped you change your attitudes yourself. You know you've used your competitive eating to understand this. But what do you think? The sort of the general sort of the summing up, if you want somebody to remember one thing from this, of like this chat, kind of.
2: So I guess that my. Biggest thing out of this conversation is that there are certain aspects of my personality that I guess are things to note. Like, I've never allowed myself to fall victim for long enough to actually destroy potential. So, I was bullied, but I kind of used that to my advantage because it kind of pushed me to put my energy instead of in kids. I put my energy into myself and I applied myself at school. I guess also the fact that I was so different, actually making myself more different meant that life was less of a struggle. So I just embraced who I was. I wasn't going to start putting on loads of makeup and dyeing my hair blonde and all of this stuff. Like there are always going to be fads. There are always going to be like the preferred way to look but the best way that you can look is how you look, so it's people will always love you for your greatest of flaws, and that's something that I've definitely learned, and embracing it is not easy, and I still struggle with it every single day, I still have that like niggling in the back of my mind about my own appearance, but There there is always a way. There's always a way to combat that one thing that you would like to change about yourself. And it doesn't mean surgery, and it doesn't mean like the easy tricks, the ways out. It's just a bit of bit of research. Apply yourself, have a bit more sleep, eat well, and learn stuff. Because I think my biggest advantage in life is that I was always very open to learning. I was always very open to opportunity. And opportunities presented themselves and I just went, okay, yeah, let's go. And I've never fallen victim to being a loser in those situations. And if I've lost and if it's not my thing, I just find my next thing and I move on. And so I think that that's the biggest thing for me. I think it's not just my attitudes towards food. I think that it's just attitude is the biggest battle and it is the best one to get right and everything else will fall into place.
1: And it's that sort of accepting yes, you know, saying yes to opportunity and not yeah. backing away like the yeah. Shire Leah would have done. You're just going, bring it, let's go, you know, another course, another course, like <laughs> well, you do with the is. meals. <laughs> well, I definitely want to do a you know, because this is really, I knew this was going to go a lot deeper than just competitive eating, and I really loved watching your videos. You know, I've seen a spike of your video watch usage just from me alone. Um, <laughs> Thank
2: so you. I, I hope
1: i hope to have like i hope to be cool enough one day to have you follow me on instagram and all this kind of stuff but
2: for oh him, God, you wait we need I, to rectify that i'm really know. really terrible i'm sorry i don't keep that's just
1: dis- it's just disgraceful uh, that's the part i love is when people i admire follow me on instagram i go oh that's yeah, it blows me away, and I love I the fact that, that a bit of me, sorry, <laughs> but I love on these interviews where people kind of go, "Oh, I never get a chance to talk about this." This is an area that I want to discuss, or you know, this is the kind of stuff that blows me away. It's that they can use this as a vehicle for them to talk about stuff that they're interested in, or go into different areas that they maybe don't get a chance to. Because you know, I hate these interviews where it's just change the name at the top, and it's the same yeah. answers over and over oh, and over gosh. again. So yeah this is i'm sure
2: you get that a lot though
1: oh i but i really force it in weird areas well that sounded so bad but you know <laughs> i kind of take it into places where you know like i want to talk about mental toughness resilience all these kind of things or what happened as a kid that made you that way or interested in that how did you change that and it's stuff they don't get you know like yeah we yeah. can talk about inspiration for books and stuff like that but i want to know like what made you the weird person that I love watching on YouTube, or the person whose book helped change my life, but you wrote it in style that made me want to read it. Or, you know, I want to know like the strange, weird things that you do that maybe I could do that would help me be better at XYZ component of my life. And that's what I love about this podcast. It lets me chat to people that yeah, and lets it. them be them.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic to just have that open mind to be like okay what is it that makes you tick and how can i learn from that to make me tick in the same way
1: well i think so, you yeah. could easily do this i mean you've got that kind of personality that makes people want to chat you know be um, open and stuff.
2: Am, i'm like outrageously chatty though like i am just such a babbler but i'm learning i'm becoming better I guess at doing interviews because I've learned to just be more relaxed and that's what people like to listen to they like that sort of very like free-flowing well this is kind of what happened to me and I try to throw in a bit of humor in here and there because it's very awkward talking about yourself <laughs>
1: very well, awkward that, that's our open chain chat you know it's like you get these very kind of oh what was your inspiration for the book oh cool yeah where can we buy the book oh, yeah. But these kind of chats, where it lets the person be real and open and see that insight into them mm-hmm. that we maybe don't get in like Heat Magazine and like all these other kind of chats. But podcasts let you be yourself and show the the like light up the darkness behind the who the person is. Or Jesus, that was a bad from but you know what I mean? It's I tell you, it's great because and I loved learning about your story so we definitely got around to do a round two. definitely got to go into another one but for people who want to find out more about you you know subscribe i mean mm-hmm. i had a brand idea for you i always wanted you to do an app where people could you know record their times on a something that, a challenge that you've done and you could have a leaderboard and people submitting things and you could do top tips and all that I uh, for some reason that popped into my head when we're chatting it would be
2: so epic and there's definitely things i want to do in the future but i think that it's still a bit premature for me at the moment i'm I'm feeling like the pressures of being a youtuber like everybody wants a merch line everybody wants a a hoodie they want logos they want postcards i've sent out a load of postcards and i didn't think that there was going to be such a demand for like a postcard with my branding on it and my signature like i I wanted
1: one. I was dis- when I found that video. I was like, "Damn it, I missed this."
2: Oh no, I can send you one. That's not an
1: issue. Know. But I mean, those are <laughs> think It's you've become a star as much as you've become a competitive year. You've become a YouTube personality that people love to see, and it's. Do you it's find that strange? Weird I to find you? It
2: i I'm recognized now in supermarkets, and it's like people will approach me just on the off and just be like, "Excuse me, I know this sounds really weird, but you Leah Shukeva and I'm like, yes <laughs> yes I am and thank you for saying my name right That's really flattering um and I end up having a really like very cute conversation with somebody. And then she'll be like, it's actually my husband who recognized you. He's a really big fan. And this lady's husband will be stood like 10 aisles down, like <laughs> peeking around the corner, like super shy in case I wasn't the girl. And, you know, it's it's very, it's very sweet and it's very surreal. And I never thought that it was going to be me in this situation because I was so shy. And, you know, I, I didn't like being looked at by people. I certainly didn't like people watching me eat. So... It's it's one of those things. I like
1: you realize the job you're doing now, eh? Huh?
2: This is my full time.
1: <laughs> you know, it's strange <laughs> that you did like people watching you eat to what you do now. It's kind It's
2: insane, but I I do I have always no, my mum has always said to me that the soup you like least is the first one they serve you. So when you say, I would never do this, it is the first thing that you're given. So the point of that is that never turn your nose up at opportunity because you never know where it might take you and if you're being served something make the most of it because gosh who knows what you're going to get served next so like in my opinion it's like i'm i've been very fortunate because i do have a very good support network and obviously now my followers are like really dedicated like dedicated subscribers and followers and I'm really grateful to them because obviously they keep me going and that support and love and like the energy is just so contagious so as long as people will watch me I will make content and I'm hoping that it just evolves because I don't want to be 10 years down the line still doing the same as I am now I want there to be apps. I want there to be like it'd be so cool to have like a a woman versus food TV show. It'd be really cool to do like a travel foodie food challenge tour. It'd be really cool to do like to host contests and actually like pass the torch on and, and help people achieve world records. Like there are so many things that I want to do to kind of take what I've done and what I've learned and pass it on and be like, this is what you can do and what you can learn and what you can create. And I obviously would just tell everybody what they need to know and they can kind of take it from there.
1: I mean I'd be terrified to be the person in the in front of you saying no you can't do that because I you're yeah. you're smashing it you're going the right way about it and I can just see you being such a success in the future but for people Who like you know how do we follow this how do we see these guinness records that you're going for like subscribe to the channel like how do we find you on social media but also like what are you got in the middle because you were talking about trying to smash world records and stuff like that you know what's the next big thing for you as well
2: Oh, gosh. Um, So there's a few things in the pipeline. Uh, If you want to find me, just search Leah Shutkiver, S-H-U-T-K-E-V-E-R into Google. I'm the only one in the world. so You will get my Instagram. Definitely follow me on there. I do like daily updates, different things, recipe, fitness stuff, general daily updates new videos when they go up, I pretty much promote them on there, like any kind of new things that you need to try and you need to eat, that's everything on Instagram, YouTube I upload every Thursday night at 6pm, and so all your uploads will obviously go to youtube so definitely subscribe to my channel hit the notification icon that's really important so that you do get a notification too when my video goes live um and facebook i've got a facebook page i've got a facebook business page so definitely follow me on there too i upload on facebook two different videos from youtube so have a look at facebook it might be your jam more than the YouTube crew. I know that you're very different types of people. Um I actually love I love Facebook. I actually love Facebook. The people are just so like super like they share. Facebook people share and I love that. Um, what's in the pipeline? I fortunately COVID-19 has delayed everything that I had planned. But I am due to do a couple of international projects which I'm really excited about they had to be put on hold. I've got a certain TV show to film for um, in Germany. I've also got a TV show in the UK, which is going to be so cool. And I'm just, I'm so flattered because I was, I can't say much, but I was shortlisted to be one of the talents on the show and I was like what okay this is awesome so yeah and it's not Britain's Got Talent I turned that down I can't I can't do BGT like no um we also have your own show. it would be awesome it would be awesome but I, I I mean I've had offers but the contracts that I'm I'm given are just not realistic at all they pretty much want you to sign your life away and I'm just not willing to do that to be honest um and what else so working on world records i'm attempting three this weekend and i'm not going to go into which ones i'm going to do i'm going to leave that a secret so if you want updates on those i'm going to be filming them so they will be the updates of whether i achieve them or not will be on instagram and then the videos will go on facebook and youtube so yeah it's definitely worth following um fingers crossed for the world records i never really know how i'm going to do on the day i obviously cuz you're eating stuff you have a limit on how many times you can attempt it and yeah fingers crossed when i get to 10 official guinness world records that is my 2020 goal completed and i can sort of move on to the next lot of stuff that i have planned
1: just 10 world records yeah just not so yeah. you've you've um,
2: got how many have you got currently um t- As of today, I have eight, but I'm attempting another three on Saturday. So if I, I don't think I'll get all three. I think I'll get two for sure. I'm not sure about the third one. So I want to be on 10 by at least the end of lockdown.
0: Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life.